everyone. Happy Christmas. I'd like to tell you a story about a little donkey this morning. He's just like those donkeys that you see out in the field here with the goats at Ananda Village. Except those donkeys are kind of fat. <laughs> and this is just a little gray donkey. He lived a long time ago across a great ocean in a desert far away from here. And this happened on a very dark night that this little gray donkey was walking along through the desert, carrying a load on his back as usual, with a man leading him through the desert. Now, the donkey had a, a dream, Jay. Come here. <laughs> the donkey had a dream. At least he thought that it was a dream. You know, it's hard to tell sometimes if you're dreaming or not, isn't it? Well, he thought he was dreaming on this dark night as he walked through the desert. And he dreamed that he was carrying a whole entire city upon his back. A big city with domed temples and tall towers and arched gates in the city. And he heard a little child cry out in the city. And beautiful white doves were flying all around. Well, the donkey walked on through the desert. And he next dreamed that he was carrying a ship on his back, a great wooden boat. And the ocean was gently rocking all around him. And the boat was swaying like a cradle. And again, the donkey walked on. And he dreamed next that he was carrying a fountain on his back, a large stone fountain, beautiful with curves, with water splashing and ringing out like a little child's laughter. And wherever the water fell like magic, a beautiful green garden sprang up out of the desert sand with rainbow-colored flowers around. And again, the donkey walked on. And the next thing he dreamed, he was carrying a rose on his back, beautiful gold and pink rose. It smelled sweet. It was soft, like the touch of a mother. And the donkey looked around, and he saw beautiful angels standing all about. And he walked on a bit further, and the man led them to a town. And at this point, the donkey dreamed now that he was carrying a lady on his back, a beautiful lady. She was shining like she had the light of heaven inside her, the beautiful glowing light. And as they came to this little town, it appeared to be empty. There was no one there, but the little village dogs came out to greet them. And the man led the donkey up to a door, and they knocked. But it didn't open, so they walked on through narrow streets that were paved with old stones. And they walked along alleyways until at last, a little party came to a place that smelled of hay. It was a little cave there for a stable and a watering trough where the donkey could drink. And the donkey was very tired. So the man helped the lady off the donkey's back, and they went into the cave, taking the donkey's saddle with him. And the little donkey was left all alone outside. And his legs were tired, and his back was aching. And he drank from that little watering trough. And he noticed in the water, one shining star, brilliant shining star in the night sky above. And he drank, and he drank. And then suddenly he heard a cry ring out from the cave behind him. The cry echoed over the hills and through the town around. It was so quiet that night, even the stars heard the cry. And a moment later, the man came out, 
And he whispered to the donkey, come. And the donkey followed him into the cave. And there was the lady full of heaven laying on a bed of hay with the saddle, the donkey's saddle for her pillow. And she said to the donkey, come and see what we have carried all this way, you and I. And the donkey looked. He saw a little tiny baby, just a small babe. But when he opened his eyes, the whole cave was full of that beautiful light of heaven. And the donkey blinked his eyes, but he wasn't dreaming anymore. The donkey was awake, and he wasn't tired anymore. He was filled with joy, and he was filled with love, because that was the very first Christmas that the baby Jesus was born. And today, just like that donkey, we're filled with the joy and the love of God and of Christ right here in our hearts. <laughs> and there's the donkey. <laughs> filled with joy. Happy Christmas to you all. So good morning, everyone, once again. Thank you for joining us for our Christmas Sunday service. And it's such a joy to have a beautiful community here whose doors are open to all who would like to be a part of it. So welcome for those of you who have come from afar and to those who are joining us online. And our service today, the reading is from Rays of the One Light, Commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, these two great scriptures. And the topic is, what was the star of Bethlehem? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Divine vision is the opposite of worldly sight. Divine vision sees God's presence behind all outward appearances. Worldly sight sees appearances merely, coding even the blazing wisdom of a saint. A master to the worldly man is a human being with perhaps a slightly better attitude than the norm. <laughs> the scriptures therefore strive to demonstrate how the divine consciousness, when openly active among men in the lives of great masters, must never be viewed as an expression of ordinary human consciousness. To seek the presence of divinity behind the life of a great master is to prepare oneself to recognize that same divinity also in lower manifestations until at last one beholds God everywhere. Thus it was that Paramahansa Yogananda, on observing his new disciple Swami Kriyananda, struggling with the contrast between the Guru's human appearance and his inner divine reality, looked at him deeply one day and said, if you only knew my consciousness. 
The story of the birth of Jesus Christ contains an account in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2, of the star of Bethlehem. The wise men who saw Jesus in his manger said, We have seen his star in the east, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. This account was important, for it showed all mankind that Jesus was a divine incarnation and no ordinary man, that he brought divine consciousness to earth, even though he would play a human role among human beings, and that others too, by receiving him in their inner hearts, would acquire power, as the Bible puts it, to become the sons of God. The scriptures enjoin us to meditate on the lives of great souls, that we may discover our own latent spiritual greatness. As the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the fourth chapter, who knows the truth touching my births on earth and my divine work, when he quits the flesh, puts on its load no more, falls no more down, to earthly birth, to me he comes, dear Prince. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. <laughs> oh, whispers from eternity. These are beautiful prayer demands written by Yogananda. And this is demand for the opening of the spiritual eye to find God in everything. My eyes are enthralled, O Father, with the beauty of earthly flowers, with life's passing scenes, and with the sailing silent clouds. Everywhere, all I see hints at thy presence. Open that eye in me, which sees only thee. With that gaze may I behold thee, above, beneath, all around, within and outside me. Teach me in all things to see only thee. Open in me that eye which beholds everywhere thy hidden, but ever subtly reigning wonder. And then Yogananda says, this demand especially should be repeated mentally with deep concentration until the prayer thought becomes fixed in your conscious, in your superconsciousness by the conviction born of deep faith. I thought this morning to talk about the journey to see the Christ child both the journey of the three wise men, the Magi, and our own journey. And so let's go back in time to the time of the birth of Christ, actually a little before the birth of Christ, because the three wise men were coming from the east. 
actually they were coming from India. And Yogananda said that they were in a former incarnation, Babaji, Lahiri Mahashaya, and Sri Yukteswar. And they knew intuitively of the presence of an avatar of a great master about to be born on earth. And so they began traveling from India to Jerusalem, or to Israel. And Swami points out a very curious aspect of this story, because it said they saw a star in the east, and they followed that star. Well, if you're coming from India to Israel, and you're following a star, that star can't be in the east, unless you're walking backwards, which is quite unlikely in this case. So the star in the east is a metaphorical reference to the fact that the star is the star of intuition, the spiritual eye, because this is the north of the body and this is the east of the body. And so they were following that star of intuition. And physically, they were probably walking along well-traveled routes because by that time with the Roman Empire, what's known as the Silk Roads, where goods and uh, all kinds of uh, uh, precious things moved along from all over Asia into the Roman Empire. So they were probably walking along that, and that passed through Israel. And as they got closer, the news of the potential birth of a king began to be spread around. And so King Herod, hearing that these wise men were apparently following a star and going to find this, this new king that was about to be born, called them to him and questioned them. And he said, where, where is this star leading you? They said, we don't know. We're just following the star. Who is the star leading you to? We don't know. We're following the star. Well, when, when are you going to arrive? Where is it going to be? We don't know. We're following the star. And so King Herod says to them, well, when you find who you're looking for, when you find this baby who's going to be king, you come back and report to me so I can, I, I, I can go and worship him myself. <laughs> and so the wise men, the magi, continued their journey until they came to the Christ child, the baby Jesus. And they came bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, which were precious herbs. Myrrh was a healing herb. Incense was used in spiritual ceremonies. And gold, of course, represents physical wealth. So they came bearing the gifts of wealth and health and spirituality and offered those to the Christ child. And they probably offered something else, too a word of warning, because they knew the intention of Herod. And whether Joseph believed that or not, the Bible says that that night, Joseph had a dream in which an angel came to him 
and warned him to flee because of Herod's intention. And so in the middle of the night, Joseph and uh, the baby Jesus and Mary uh, fled from Bethlehem and they fled into Egypt. And as the story goes on, Herod did come looking or his soldiers came looking and they killed all the children under two years old because king material desire does not share power easily. And in our own consciousness, our material desires resent the birth of Christ consciousness, or at least are threatened by it. And so Jesus fled into Egypt, and then when Herod died, uh, the family came back to Israel. And then when Jesus was 12 or 13 years old, after he announced his wisdom by preaching in the temple, he returned that journey. He went back to India, where he spent the next 17 years, and until the time arrived for him to come back to Israel in the last three years of his life. So when you read the Bible, you see Jesus as 12 years old preaching in the temple, and then you see him as 30 years old. Seems strange for the most important person in all of Christianity to have a gap of 17 years in his biography. Well, that was in India. And at any rate, uh, then Jesus came back and finished his mission and finished it with the crucifixion and much more importantly, the resurrection. Now that's a beautiful story that happened, a very, very dramatic story that happened with the life of Jesus. It's been called the greatest story ever told. But in reality, the story was never about Jesus. The story was about Christ, Jesus the Christ. Imagine what Christ consciousness is. It's the consciousness of spirit in every atom of creation. It means throughout the entire solar system, all over the planet, every person, every plant, every thing has the essence of Christ consciousness. The solar system, all pervaded through. The solar system isn't big enough for this. It pervades the whole galaxy. It pervades the whole universe. So the spirit of Christ consciousness is omnipresent in all of creation. And a person who is Christ conscious recognizes his being as being everywhere. And at some point, that infinite potential, that everywhereness collapses into a single little child born in a single little place at a single little time. A little flash of a wave on the infinite sea. And so the story is never really about Jesus. It's about Christ consciousness. Because without that, Jesus might have had a dramatic life. I'm sure others of his time had dramatic lives. 
it's estimated that the Romans crucified more than 10,000 Jews. And so being crucified, that wasn't very special. Being born, that wasn't very special. Dying, that wasn't very special. It was going through that with the knowledge of his true self. And with the knowledge of who he actually was, he was able to change, heal the sick, cure the blind, have the lame walk. He was able to do the miracles that he did. But the miracles aren't the story here. It's the consciousness that allows those miracles. And so that journey of the wise men, of Babaji, Lahiri, and Sri Yukteswar coming across 2,000 years ago and coming to um, essentially to anoint the Christ, the, the uh, baby Jesus, which was the carrier of Christ consciousness. That was a journey that had a time and a place, but the real journey, that, that was the journey to the baby Jesus. And we can't take that journey. We can take the journey to Bethlehem. Davy and I have taken it. Many of you have taken it. That does not bring us to the Christ consciousness. It's inspiring, and it's very nice to do. But there is a journey that we can take to find the Christ consciousness, to find the true Christ child. And interestingly enough, in order to do that, we have to emulate the journey taken by those three wise men. We have to follow the star that's in the east because that star will lead us to the Christ child. And so where is that star in the east? As I said, it's the representative of the spiritual eye in the forehead. So when we meditate deeply, as many, many in this room did yesterday for eight hours. But any meditation, any time that we still our mind and look into the spiritual eye or into the light, maybe we don't see yet the star, but maybe we see the light of the star. Maybe we see some glowing, I don't know, movable opalescent patterns in the forehead as we meditate. If our mind becomes still enough so that the restlessness of the ego begins to go in the background, then the intuition of the soul awakens. Just as at, during the day when all the lights and all, everything's going around, in a worldly sense, we can't see the stars in the heavens. They're still there. We can't see them because there's too much other stuff going on. Same with the light in our forehead. When there's too much restlessness going on, we can't see that star. But when we put the rest of the restlessness to sleep, then that star begins to shine until eventually we will see an actual star in the center of a blue field in the center of a golden ring. And if we follow that star, because that star is the portal 
into Christ consciousness. If we, start, if we can follow that star to the end of the journey, we will indeed come to the birth of the Christ. But that won't be the birth of Jesus. That will be the birth of our own Christ consciousness because we are a part of everything that is and we have only to make the journey, the inward journey, just as the wise men did until we arrive at that birth of the Christ consciousness within and without. Sing out with joy.